most electrifying man in sports entertainment today. And you're seeing him live. Triple H, about 20 minutes ago, The Rock heard you run your mouth like you're a big shot, like you're the great one. You run your mouth about how you've beaten The Rock's ass all across the country? People's eyebrow. He's a people's champion. But he may be the WWF champion before we leave here tonight. You almost feel it, JR. This crowd is behind. Listen to this crowd. Chanting in unison. Well, obviously, Triple H, you've been spending a little bit too much time in, in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. Somewhere out there in La La Land, you've been playing with the little purple Oompa Loompas all day. You've been eating your Wonka bars. You've been getting the everlasting gobstopper. So The Rock says this, if you want to spend all your life in La La Land and Wonka's Chocolate Factory, then The Rock says he wants to do just a little something special with the little Oompa Loompa. This is amazing. The Rock is messing with Triple H's head. The Rock says he's going to take that little Oompa Loompa, shine it up real nice, and then in front of the million of Rock's UK fans. He's gonna turn that some bit sideways and stick it straight up, you can hear On any continent, it translates. The Rock is psyching out the champion, Triple H, no doubt about it. And it's working, I bet. Now there's a jabroni over here who's given The Rock a thumbs down? And The Rock sees you took the time to make a little sign that says something about Hunter. What does your sign say anyway? It doesn't matter what your sign says! <laughs> Walked into that. Yeah. The crowd on their feet. They love this. Hell, I love it. Electrifying sports entertainer in the world today. If you smell what the rock is cooking. 
Court and blamey Mary Poppins, apples and stairs. Welcome everybody to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. My name is Rory McNamara, back in the saddle once again, taking you all the way back to October 1999 for the first of five, count them, five shows coming up for you to be released over the next couple of weeks. We have a World Championship Wrestling show looking at Halloween Havoc. We have an ECW show looking at all their TV on TNN. And we will be looking at Heroes of Wrestling. Two WWF shows coming up for you this month. Our second part, we'll be looking at the No Mercy pay-per-view, plus all the backstage news, all your TV reports. But here, a bit of a special one for you, part one. As you may have guessed from my intro, we're going to be in good old Blighty for this show, looking at the Rebellion pay-per-view, UK only, which took place at the very start of this month. And joining me, I have Mr. Chris Lacey. Chris, you're the spoonful of sugar helping the medicine go down today. Where was the Dudley boys? I came, I came here. You said the Dudleys are now in the Fed. Where are the Dudleys? I've been brought under here under false pretenses. I just don't like it. And that's one mark off your final score already, I'm sure. <laughs> I am wonderful as always. And actually, it's quite nice to, you know, not see so many chair shots. And Dan Welling, I guess you're feeding the birds to keep that metaphor going. I've never seen this film, so I don't know what you're talking about, really. God bless you, Sherry Bobbins. Right, let's get straight into it, everybody. So, October the 2nd, 1999, Rebellion took place. The fourth UK-only WWF pay-per-view since we started doing this. Uh, And it took place in my hometown of Birmingham, England. Two years ago, we had one night only. That took place at the National Exhibition Centre. I'm pleased to say this one occurred at the National Indoor Arena. A much nicer venue, trust me. The NEC is just a soulless hole and the sound just disappears and it's oh, it's vile. The NIA, you can actually hear what's going on, see what's going on, and it's much easier to get to. It's just by the canal. So just look out for the dog carcasses, the shopping trolleys and the used condoms and you're right there. Right. And Weber spoons. <laughs> Guys, a quick quiz question. As this event took place at the NIA on the 2nd of October, just yesterday as we record this, what concert was taking place at the NEC? Have a guess. Sabbath. Uh, you're way off. I'll give you a bit of a clue. They were involved in a number two record on the UK charts this year. A bit of a further clue. Actually, a good record that got to number two in the UK charts. Spice Girls. <laughs> a good record that got to number two. In the UK charts. I just wanted to do that for Lacey purposes. Right? Yeah, what have you got, Lacey? Go on. The Mannix. That's I tell you what, that's a decent shout. It was actually the London Community Gospel Choir, who of course featured on Tender by Blur, ah. which got to number two this year and was kept off number one by Britney fucking Spears. Anyway, enough of my ranting. Let's get to the show. Daniel Welling, sir, you've got the results. Tell everybody what happened at the NIA on the 2nd of October. Jeff Jarrett defeated Dilo Brown for the Intercontinental title. The Godfather defeated Gangrel. Val Venus defeated Mark Henry. Ivory defeated Jacqueline, Luna and Tori for the WWF Women's Championship. Chris Jericho defeated the Road Dog. China then defeated Jeff Jarrett by disqualification in an impromptu title match. Get on to that later. Kane defeated the Big Show. The British Bulldog defeated X-Pac. Edge and Christian defeated the Acolytes and the Holly Cousins in a triangle tag match. And Triple H retained his WWF title in a steel cage match against The Rock. 
Chris, not the time trying to lead you either way, but what did you think of this pay-per-view that did not feature the Dudley boys on it? It is a tale of two halves. When I say two halves, it started well, had a blur middle and then picked up at the end. Again, same as what I said when we did uh, Captain Carnage last year. These are probably best enjoyed if you're there, not as a TV experience. Your opening thoughts, Dan? I agree with Chris in that if I was there live, I would probably would have enjoyed this show a lot more because it is a house show. But the problem is I'm paying $14.99 for the privilege of watching a house show when I don't normally have to do that as a UK wrestling fan watching the WWF, which I feel like I'm criticising it for having having it too good. But that's the facts, unfortunately. Yeah, I think you're both right. We'll get to it match by match, but I think the crowd were probably the best thing about this pay-per-view. And I'm not just saying that because they were Brummies all, and Brummies are the salt of the earth. Let's get to it then, shall we? We have a pretty decent opening video package, it must be said, about two gentlemen settling a tiff and two men looking to kick some bum. So somebody has definitely done their research. Uh, The show gets a further intro package with real wrestlers in it, although I think Jericho walking through a parking lot is the only actual new footage. So as mentioned, we are indeed in Birmingham, England at the NIA, and our commentary team are JR and Michael Hayes, who does a fairly decent job, it must be said. Let's get to our opener, and we start with Jarrett, accompanied by Miss Kitty, bringing a hoover to the ring. He then gets for Mike and says that women are only good for cooking, cleaning, and making babies. He offers a thousand pounds to any woman who wants to demonstrate his point. He chooses one, handily placed in the front row, and wearing a Rebellion t-shirt. She then vacuums up stuff from the ring, I'm not sure it's even plugged in, but never mind, until Double J has seen enough and slaps on the figure of four. China takes this chance to get us off some of Jarrett and sends him out of the ring. Uh, we'll get to the match in a second. Um, Dan, I'll come to you first on this one. It might not be one for the purists, but Jarrett does have something with this, um, uh, let's call it character trait, to be polite. Let's call it that. What do we think? Um, well, it's straight out of the playbook of of WF going too far in one direction to get someone else, you know, heat. But it the the best thing I can say about this is that somehow Jeff Jarrett has become probably the most hated wrestler on the roster, even more so than Triple H, because of this stuff that he's doing. I obviously don't agree with what he's saying, and obviously I kind of you know. I get pissed off watching this show because you know it, it's it's annoying but that that's the that's the line they're treading between go away heat and physical heat they are just about on the level of actual heat right now with Jarrett which is something that we've never said about the guy for like the entirety of his run on this podcast so in that regard it, he is probably at the his most interesting point in his career in the last five years it's just a shame that what he's done to get there is quite reprehensible, the stuff that he's saying. But again, it's a gimmick. It's a hit. It's a it's stuff that I, I really hope he doesn't mean. But as you said, he's got something and he's running with it. So there we go. Indeed. Lacey, he seems, dare I say it, rather good at this as well. Yeah. Um, it's one of those of sometimes you just need to be a cunt to get heat and he's got that he's happy to do it and we've you've, we've all said obviously um 
that China clearly is very, very marketable and very much something that the Fed want to put stock in. And this is easy, easy way to just push her over because she's coming out and defending women. So anyone that isn't a twat will like China. All the women will like China and anyone with half a brain will like China because she's beating up the dickhead. It's simple booking 101. Well done. Yeah, it's Jarrett is a heel who you can't help but hate. No, he isn't Jeff Jarrett using the WWF as a springboard to become a country music star because yeah, evil country music singer has heat written all over it. This is somebody who is just generally an unpleasant person, this iteration of the character. You can't cheer him. He's not... He's not nudging you. He's not winking at you. He is just an asshole who is a bit of a, a lot of a misogynist. And it's a rather extreme length to go to get somebody booed. And I think it shows how in these cool, edgy times we live in, how difficult it is to have your heels gain pure heat. And let's have somebody beating up women every single week. It's, you know, it's real red zone stuff, but it does work. And, I don't think Jarrett's ever been this over ever. Right? Certainly not in the six years, God, the six years that we've actually been talking about him. Now, this is the first time where Jarrett, I mean, let's face it, I've never laughed with him, but this time I'm not just laughing at him either. I'm booing him. So he's doing his job, but it's a bit on the salty side, isn't it? But let's get to our first match. After a coin toss, which comes down as heads, Jarrett will have to defend his IC title against the European champ, D'Lo Brown. So Jarrett versus D'Lo for the IC belt. A quick start from the denizen of Birmingham, as D'Lo is announced, including a sharp power slam and a power bomb. Hmm, somebody wants to get down to Broad Street quickly. Jarrett takes his belt and Kitty, but Brown ain't having that. Back in, Double J puts on a sleeper. Did you know if you knew that hold? But D'Lo is up before the third down. Vertical suplex by D'Lo, and they are racing through this one. Jeff catches him with a drop kick as he goes up top. Divorce caught off the second turnbuckle. Nice. But Brown fights up afterwards and gets off the sky high. Tilt a while slam and a leg lariat and off a leg drop are surprisingly close too. Sunset flip counter also for a two. Then Jarrett goes upstairs. D'Lo cuts him off and we get a superplex. JJ hooks for legs though and almost steals a win. He gets kicked off when going for the F4 and now Kitty is on the apron. Jarrett hits D'Lo with the vacuum cleaner and there ladies and gents is your sports entertainment finish. Jarrett still isn't done though. He wants a match with China later tonight. Christopher. I didn't mind this as an opener. Um, my one beef was as soon as I did the coin toss and we knew it was for Jarrett's title, we knew Jarrett was winning. Yes. Because it's an England show and there's never a title change. So, you know, that did spoil it a little bit for me. I sort of knew exactly who was going to win. Um but the match was decent. Um, I like D'Lo. I think D'Lo's wasted sometimes with what they do with him. But he is just fun to watch in the ring. I like that Jeff cheated to win because, you know, he's an arsehole, as you want him to be. You know, for an opening fodder, I thought, oh, actually, we're going to get decent level matches here because they're, they're actually putting a shift in. Because this could have been an opener on a, on a state's pay-per-view. Your thoughts, Dan? Yeah, I agree with Chris. I think this was pretty good as an opener. Both guys seem to be in that perfect opening one or two match spot, which 
you know Jeff Jarrett in particular seems to have locked down and done a really good job of doing um and they put I, I would have easily given this match a few more minutes and just to kind of make it less rushed and cull one of the next couple of matches to to give it that time and but yeah well off we got in six minutes was was pretty well worked pretty well you know was you know athletic from both the guys and yeah I, I thought this was a very fine way to open up the to open up the show yeah, they were clearly bashing through it, weren't they? Six minutes, they should have been given a bit more time than that, especially given the utter inconsequentialness, it's a word now, of some of the matches we will see later. It's hard to draw too many conclusions from a show like this, but I do wonder if opening match fodder is where Delo is going to be, at least for a while. He's going to give you a good match. You've got the European title. I'll leave that to the rest of the listeners to decide how much that actually means. And that's pretty much it. I'm not particularly pleased to say that because Dilo is somebody I like a lot. One of my rising stars last year. I don't think he has got to those heights. Some of the heights I at least hoped he would get to, if not necessarily expected. But he's always going to be somebody good to have around. And yeah, no, well, such a paucity of work rate on this show. A six-minute sprint between these two. I'm not going to complain about that too much as an opener at all. Godfather is out next, and judging by his company, he definitely has been to Broad Street. Hmm, or maybe Needless Alley. Oh, by the way, guys, has he always been announced as from the Red Light District? I only just picked that up during this show. I legitimately thought he said the Red Lake District when he first started. (laughs) I I really struggled to concentrate for the next three minutes, just like curiously wondering what's going on but anyway that would have been a decent gag in fact that is so subtle and no no i'm I'm giving him too much credit to say it was the red lake district (laughs) we'll call it the red light one Mm -hmm. uh okay uh jr where am i asked jr doesn't know how many stones 320 pounds is as i'm sure jr is listening to this allow me to tell him 22.86 yes i actually sat down and worked that out with a calculator he is against the very gothic gangrel Very gothic. Can you be very gothic? No, you can't be fairly unique, but you can be very gothic. Anyway, Godfather Godfather versus Gangrel is our second match. Don't get comfortable. Godfather uses his power to get an early advantage. He misses a kick, though, then ducks too soon and gets DDT'd. Kicks in the corner, and this one ain't much to behold. A couple of elbow drops get a couple of counts. Diving clothesline for a near fall, but he misses an axe handle. And after something approaching a slugfest, Godfather leg drops Gangrel for another long two. Hmm, something's going on there. A whole train is primed, and now the pimp drop, and that's all you're getting. Although Tim White does get a whole lot more. Dan? I mean, the crowd got what they wanted, which was, you know, Godfather's accomplishments. And and I didn't get what I wanted, which was a half-decent match. So everyone is happy, I'm sure. Everyone got what they expected from this one, let's say yes, that. Yes, yes. Chris, not a whole lot to add here, I would wager. Uh, bleh. This <laughs> is pretty much all I got on this. Is, is, um, is that the match or something else? Just just the match. It was just like, uh, just they turned up. Godfather does his pre-match amble. You get Gangrel's awesome music. And, oh, fuck, we have to have a match. Oh, no, we don't. We've only got a couple of minutes. Just just do the big spots, finish, thank you very much, and go. It just seemed pointless. Oh, dear. Uh, Air Mile's still a thing in 1999. Because if so, that's the only positive I could think about bringing these two over there for this one. 
because uh, there are very little positives for us to glean from this. Again, I'm talking about the match, obviously. Don't the expect. Is, as I said, it's, it's one of those of obviously the crowd absolutely ate up Godfather coming out, doing his spiel. You know, as I said, if I was there, instead of sitting in my house watching it on telly, if I'd have been there, I'd have been all up, oh, yay, Godfather, yay. And because of obviously the live experience of it. But I just think for a, for a paying TV show, this is Sunday Night Heat fodder. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Nothing to say about this, but we haven't already said. But at least Tim White was happy. And of course, that's important. <laughs> Friendly tap, everybody. Oh, yes, indeed. <clears throat> so why don't we begin our show long storyline? Oh, yes. So they say these pay-per-views are tossed off. China is backstage and she tells Michael Cole she does accept Jarrett's challenge for later. He accuses Double J of having the China envy. Say that past ten times. Bulldog interrupts the interview and says nobody has come here to see China. And when she strides off after saying he looks like the ass end of a Bulldog, he bemoans having to face that long-haired freak X-Pac. He should be against Triple H for the world title, and he will demand that from BKM right now. We'll talk about all of this shortly. Val Venus is out, and apparently he has much in common with rugby. The game is played with balls, can get a little rough, but the object is always to score. Yeah, I think they call that phoning it in. As Mark Henry comes to the ring, we learn another UK pay-per-view will be taking place on the 6th of May 2000 at Earl's Court. And of course, we'll bring that one to you as and when. Hoping for matches the quality of Val Venus versus Mark Henry during that one. Mark in with a power slam and other big man offense off the bell. But he gets backdropped to the outside. Baseball slide by Val, but then he foolishly tries a slam. Henry shows him how it is done. I did like this one from JR. Look at the thickness of sexual chocolate. He didn't mean that, but it's still quite funny. Henry misses a charge, though, and then takes the Russian leg sweep. Roll up for two, and then a good old kick to the ankle. Succession of elbow drops, and the money shot is coming. And though I didn't mean to type that. And there is another super speedy win, Chris. Bit of a theme developing here. Yeah, and another blur match. Um this this really was phoned in how Shivada because even Val's opening gambit was oh piss weak. Just just why even bother <laughs> if you're not going to make the effort? Of all the things that you could have you know sort of gone on about, he went with rugby and then just balls rough score. Oh, fucking rubbish. <laughs> Fuck's sake, Val, make an effort, lad. That's golf. <laughs> yes. Are there any golf tournaments going on at the moment? Is it um? No, they're all finished now. It's all in the summer. I mean, oh, okay. I mean, cricket. That's quite rough. And balls as well. Seriously, Val, give me a call. I can give you an education on English sports to give you some actual de- decent sexual-related English sport puns. <laughs> Oh dear, no. Uh, listeners, if you have images right now of Dan waiting by the phone for a call from Val Venus, I suggest you excise them very quickly. Dan, talk about the match. I mean, there's literally, <laughs> there was more stuff happening in a Godfather versus Gangrel match. <laughs> like, that's how bad this match was. Like, this was, there's, there's matches which are just short and sweet, like the previous match you can make an argument for. This match was just like, there's literally no net gain to having it happen. Like, I can make an argument to have the Godfather come out because, you know, things. But nobody wants to see Val Venus and definitely nobody wants to see Mark Henry. So, cull it. 
And how long was this match at all? Three minutes tops? Three minutes. Yeah, yeah there just, you go. That, that's, you yeah, know, pointless. And they're just cutting off their nose to spite their face because other than UK fans, nobody is watching this pay-per-view live. So you can afford... To, I'm not saying I want to see a 20-minute Matt Classic between these two or anything remotely like it, but as we've said many times, especially over the last year, Mark Henry is somebody who needs to improve. There was still seven years left on his contract, but ain't much of a return on his investment. So... Just having him out here doing nothing for three minutes doesn't help anybody. Don't put him in a match with Val where nothing is going to happen. Nobody's gaining anything from this. I say Val, you know, Val Shtick mailed in to say the very, very least. Other forms of contact are available. And Henry, three minutes, nothing. He's not going to learn anything from this. He's not going to get any better from it. And at the end of the day, we and our pockets are the ones who suffer. Anyway, speaking of suffering, <laughs> I'll throw this together. We then scuttle backstage, whereupon we witness this. Davey, you sure you want to do this? Is this a, Davey, is this the time for this? Davey, is this the time? Davey, you sure you want to do this? There you are. Where's my title shot? Where's my title shot? The people come in and to see me on the pad view to wrestle Triple H. Where's my title shot? You had your title shot. What do you call that a title shot? Well, look. The Rock was the referee when you had your dream. You put The Rock as the referee, not me. Davey, calm down. Look. No, calm down. Just calm down. Hey, hey! Hey, hey! Come on, I'm not going to calm down. Shit! Stop it! Oh, God, what happened? Oh, Stay! Oh. Give me a man! Give me a man! Get it! Stephanie's in. My God. Get some help there. He hit her with the trash can. I can't believe that. My God. So, to translate that all for you, as you might need it, Bulldog barges into Vince's dressing room and he wants his title shot. Vince explains he already had it, which is true. Davey loses it, then slings a helpfully placed bin slash trash can across the room and it hits Stephanie in the face off camera. Vince mu- <laughs> Vince's get me a medic, damn it, is either brilliant or terrible acting. I haven't quite decided which. And then we cut away. Chris, we will be talking about Davey Boy quite a lot throughout this show. Um... I'm not sure this helped anybody, though. Again, it's are they intentionally hindering people here? I do wonder. With the Bulldog, I specifically think that. I, I have no idea why this was needed, but I did like Shane dropping in uh, an, an S-bomb there. Yes. When he shouted shit as it hit her, or air quotes here. Um, but yeah, it I suppose it, it sort of feeds in for what happens for the rest of the show um, and, you know, gives us a reason why things happen. But again, it is just sort of base level. Are you even bothering boys? Well, it is a storyline through the show, is it not? I mean, I'm trying to play devil's advocate here, I admit, but at least they're trying to do something else other than just, Match, match, match. Are they not? I suppose, but... And it obviously, it pays off in this, and I, I don't know if it will be mentioned on TV in the States uh, when Raw rolls around on Monday, um, but it, it they could have done something better than this. It just... I just I don't really get why. Damn, positives. Uh, British Bulldogs acting is hilarious. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I ain't gonna put it. It's awful. Like, it's just so. It, 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 that is hilariously bad. 
Um, but like, yeah, I, I'm with Chris. I don't. It's such a bizarre angle to take, and given how I don't know how far they're pushing the British Bulldog in the last week, like, and I, I don't think he's at that level to be honest. To be perfectly honest with you, to to warrant this involvement with the McMahons if it's going to carry on post Britain. Um, but yeah, I'll save the rest of the Bulldog for, for when he's actually out in a match. Me too, because there's lots to unpack with Davey. But I will just say one brief thing. I'm going to give them a bit of grudging credit for this and say we'll see where it goes on Raw and when the boys talk about it on part two of the WWF show. I just wonder if they're trying to buy themselves a little bit of time here. Because obviously we had the big storyline going forward with Stephanie and Test. And as we will talk about on the WCW show, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. And I'm sure on part two WWF as well. Big creative changes are taking place. So I wonder if here they're having Stephanie take one in the... I don't know what's going to happen to her, or they're just trying to give themselves a bit of an extra week to try and write something else for her. Because, of course, the McMahons need to have storylines. Of course they do. But, um, yeah, it wasn't especially well executed, this one, was it? Bulldogs acting doesn't even need discussion. Um, the bin just happening to be there by the settee. And the Cameron not following the bin, you know, 99 times out of 100, I'm sure it would. All very convenient, but uh, lots more to say on this a bit later on as well. Women's title match, speaking of much to say, Ivory defending against Jacqueline, Luna and Tori. I have four lines for this one. It's all but unrecapable, but uh, nevertheless, Jackie does look impressive here. And unlike last year on these shores, I am talking about her in-ring work. Uh, we get a triple sleeper spot. I always hate those. Uh, multiple pinfall attempts. Then Ivory understandably says, ah, sod this as I am right now. Just belts Jackie with the belt for the win, Dan. Um, I felt both like kind of hopeful and really angry watching this match because I, I kind of forgot that like, actually we've got Ivory, we've got Luna and we've got Jackie in one division. And that if they put some effort towards this, this could be quite good but you know if with ecw actually pushing jazz at the minute as, as a serious mm. you know women's wrestler why can't the wwf do what they're doing with china and just make the women's division semi semi decent i mean because they've got three very talented wrestlers there excluding tory because you know i've seen i've seen i've seen <laughs> i've seen the summer sam match she doesn't deserve Ugh. to be anywhere near singles wrestling again but this match was again the current ethos of this company which is puppies kittens hoes and you know titillation that's just for the other women out there for three minutes and let them do it and Jacqueline aside it wasn't that great to be honest and yeah just why can't these three women go to ECW and have a really good program with Jazz yeah Yeah. Chris they're not even pretending to try but the women's division means Jack are they I was gonna say if you're not gonna do anything properly don't fucking bother um, I get that you know back end of last year obviously you had Sable and she was shit in the ring but you know she could sell posters to horny teenagers but you've now got Luna who is has a legacy in this in wrestling you've got Ivory who obviously originally was on Glow so she's been doing this since the 80s Jackie's been through the territories and I don't know much about Tori. Um, I just remember her being that very bad body suit um, at Mania against Sable. Um, so I haven't seen a lot of her to know where she is, but she didn't look great in this. But I'm just like, you've got 
people that can have a match and can wrestle, but you're giving them no time and as such they don't put in any effort. It's a case of why bother? Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't have blamed them if they just said, oh, to hell with fucking this. But I'd say Jacqueline in the three minutes she was given, it was putting a shift in there. And I think she deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, She's had quite the 90s, Miss Texas and all that, and to see her wasted in this is a real shame. Ivory is a good character and can certainly work. Luna, we know all about. A couple of years ago, WCW managed to pass muster with their women's division with just three competitors. So WWF could at least have something going here. It's never going to get above lower mid card. And even if you just want to give their matches six, seven minutes top, at least that gives them the opportunity that I think three of these four women actually deserve because they can all to various degrees still go in the ring. But they know at the back of their minds, or maybe even at the forefront of them, that their matches are they're not even are they, are they even long enough to be piss breaks. I'm not sure they are. No, the matches are just very brief things they do between getting them out because that's all their character development allows them to do. And I know the viewer base for the WWF these days would probably disagree with me, but I think that is a real shame. We've all got dial up these days after all. <clears throat> Back to Davey. He is not going to apologize, but it was an accident. Does that even make sense? I'm not going to bother trying to think if that makes sense or not. Road Dog versus Chris Jericho. Okay, this is something to get our teeth into. Uh, Jericho is accompanied by Mr. Hughes for this one. Rhodey attacks before the bell and wastes no time into sending Jericho into the Brummyverse. They do a walk and brawl, but they seem to forget the brawling bit before returning to the ring. Backdrop into the ropes by Road Dog and some martial arts kicks. I always get a kick out of that expression. HBK star buckle flip by Y2J, but then he blocks a Rhodey charge. Then we get the patented springboard dropkick. Hughes gets in some shots, then Jericho suplexes RD back into the ring. He goes for the come on, baby, Pim, but he only gets a one count. Boo. You know what? Just quick tangent. I want to see him get a win with that one day. I did talk about it a lot during the WCW shows. It's like the 1968 European Cup final. It's 1-1 between Man United and Benfica. The George Best goes past the Benfica keeper. And what he actually wanted to do in you know, the biggest game in club football at that time, he wanted to take the ball onto the goal line, get down on his hands and knees, and then head it in. Uh, that's the sort of... <laughs> I see Jericho living that sort of character. George Best never got the chance. I want to see Jericho do it. This is now fantastic stuff. Anyway, where were we? Springboard splash in uh, Windsor 2 camp. Uh, then a springboard bulldog and another kick out. The commentary team are fucking obsessed with the condition of Stephanie, by the way. Uh, snapmare in a rear chin lock. And I don't think Jericho brought his A game today. Not in his carry on. He gets crushed on the top rope. And then it's time for yet another superplex today. I'll make that the third already. Swinging neck breaker by Road Dog for a good near four. Jericho is up and tries to get on the walls, but to no avail. German suplex, but he misses the lion salt. A uh, roadie accidentally nails the ref, so Mr. Hughes sneaks in and whacks him with a chair. Uh, he revives the ref, and there is only a two count? Hmm. I think Mike Kyoto actually counted three there. We then uneasily hop around for a few more seconds until a Jericho low blow then gets the three for good. Chris, this one had its moments, but it fell apart a bit at the end. So your thoughts on it and how you think Jericho has started uh, his first two months? See, I liked the majority of this match um 
yes, the walking brawl isn't anything that I'm used to, but, you know, I'm used to Taz and Sabu and all those, like, literally throwing things at the crowd in the throwing, crowd. Th- throwing a couple of punches would actually have helped in this one, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it was it was decent. Um, I hate the double cheat finish because if he was going to do a cheat to win just have done it when Hughes hit him with a chair it would have made more sense than just then later having the low blow to get the the cheap victory Um, but I I like that he's going I like Jericho's going against Road Dog it means he's got someone who is established for him to, to go against um maybe i'd put him in there also with like an x park or you know something like that delo sort of get him sort of there i don't think he's gonna be top mate top card obviously we all know when he came in he had that bit with rock straight out i mean that was a great bit for making him known and sort of his entrance but he was never going to turn up and go straight into the main event. And he wasn't going to beat The Rock. So if he'd have done that, he'd have lost The Rock. Then he's, what, Billy Gunn, Mark II. And we don't want that for Jericho. Um, so, yeah, I I think he's doing all right. Um, and we all know that he can do better um, in ring than this. But on a night when everyone's phoned it in, at least this was a decent match and went over 10 minutes. Epic. 10 minutes. Cool. Go easy on us now. <laughs> Dan, your thoughts on the match and Jericho? I completely agree with Chris on everything about that match. Uh, decent up until the finish. Cocked up. I will blame the referee for that. And then you have to improvise something quickly to get Jericho the heat back. Uh, yeah. That's what I have to say in the match, really. It's exactly the same as Chris. Jericho's tenure so far, I would say, has probably been a little bit of a disappointment. He's been too comedic for me. Um, like, he's he's kind of getting in the programme with Shamrock, and then that kind of fizzled out. That probably would have been a better starting point, because Shamrock still had some juice as a credible threat. But the Road Dog, to me, is still a bit of a... Like, again, he's he's more... Not comedic is the wrong word, but he's not a, a, a serious threat like someone like D'Lo or X-Pac was and could be. So I, I wanted more of this, if I'm being honest with you. Um, but look, it's early days. The WWF seems to be going for a creative change at the minute, so maybe the new person, the, re, the new regime may think more highly of him. They may think more lowly of him. We'll have to wait and see. But like again... He's got, you know, I was a I was a reasonable fan of this match, but if it wasn't for the bot blown up finish, it could have been better. Yeah, thought the match was okay, and I've got to give Road Dog a little bit of a propage for this one. He seemed motivated for whatever reason, working to the probably apex of his very limited abilities. Maybe because he knew he was in there actually with somebody a bit decent, and he's picked up a bit from his matches with X Pack. He couldn't just bum around for ten minutes, and I thought he showed again. It's all very relative with somebody like Jesse James, but I thought he was fine in there. Jericho, like I said, in the write-up, wasn't bringing his very best, but you can 
probably let him off. But he probably only needs to be at about six and a half, seven out of ten for a ten minute match with the road dog. Finish was definitely fucked up. So just to elaborate on it a bit, got a very slow count from the ref after the chair shot. And road dog sort of kick, kicked out right on the three count. You know, like a <laughs> Hogan at WrestleMania six sort of thing. I don't think that was meant to happen. Um, but then it's sort of it's, just thinking about it now. The very second Kyoto millisecond Kyoto came down for number three, Road Dog kicked out. Somebody fucked up, and the fact they went to a low blow finish twenty seconds later ugh, indicates that it definitely should have ended there and then. But um, quick thinking from everybody involved, so I'll give them that. But a low blow, mm, I'll let them off. It's a Z level pay per view. Chris Jericho, yes. Um, I said when he it was announced that he was properly bona fide coming in in July of this year. Give him until the end of 99 and see where he is. If when we get to the December pay-per-view, he is still feuding with somebody like Road Dog, then we got a problem. However, it's still only the 2nd of October. I've seen a lot of people on message boards, etc., saying Jericho's finished, he's being buried, mid-card for life. Let's just show a bit of patience, everybody. I know it's all these days, everything has to be instant gratification with wrestling fans. I understand that. That's fine. But... Let's just give him a little bit of time. Okay. Yes, he's in there with The Rock in his debut. And it was great. And we all loved it. <laughs> if he feuds with The Rock right off the bat and say they have their blow off in October of this year, you know, where does Jericho go from there? He goes right back down the card and said here he's having the chance to work his way up. So everybody, just a little bit of patience. Hold back. And if I'm wrong in December, I will gladly admit that I am wrong. But for now, it's okay. But it's the thing, one thing I will say is... Um, obviously I know in WCW Ed Rufus I don't get Mr. Hughes with him does R- he R- Ralphus, need... Ralphus oh yeah Ralphus um, does does he really need to have a quote unquote bodyguard or security um, obviously in WCW it was funny the fact that you know the half cut shirt and the drawn on or written on you know Jericho personal security that was funny I don't get what Mr Hughes is doing here because whenever he has been in the Fed so far he's always always being shit yeah but that's the one that's the one mark against it I will say in fairness despite what I've just been elucidating a couple of minutes ago I mean Hughes is the <clears throat> excuse me Hughes is the what shall we do with this guy guy you know he feuded with The Undertaker in 93 for a cup of coffee. They tried to get Helmsley over with him. I think it was their 746 attempt to get Helmsley over Did two years ago. Did they Sean as well for a bit? Wasn't he Sean's, sh- Sean's first bodyguard before Diesel? Uh, well, well your time frame there, you're looking at 93. I can't recall that. I'm pretty sure he was. It wasn't for long, but I'm pretty sure um, even he... Even Sean, he was giving Sean for a little bit and did Possibly. no good to anyone. Well, that would it's be about like, right the time when Sean was having that like two-week view with Doggan on Raw or something. So going into the whole thing with Mr. Perfect, I'm pretty sure it was around that sort of time when he was doing that feud for the IC title with Mr. Perfect as well. But it's the thing, it's one of those, if I look at Curtis Hughes, I'm just like, he doesn't bring anything to anyone's character he doesn't make you think oh he's he's the, the person he's with is clearly big time because he's got mr hughes it just seems 
that it's a bit of an anchor to put on Jericho straight away because it's not like he needs a manager to do his talking for him because we all know he's good on the mic. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me why he's there. Yeah, Dan, just quickly before we move on, Mr. Hughes with Jericho isn't much of a partnership, I would readily admit. No, it doesn't fit at all. I mean, it's just a, a, a surly henchman that you have to beat up to get to the to the nasty, boss, you know, badass boss. But Chris Jericho's character is that he's a whining, complaining, you know, comedic villain. So he doesn't need to have that kind of that character to be pathetic. If that makes sense. Um, I don't know if they think Curtis Hughes is the equivalent of Ralphus, and they just they envisage him, you know, being a limousine driver. But yeah, to me, again, as Chris said, it's a it's an unnecessary anchor weighing Jericho down when he's already got a bit of a weight on his shoulders already. Yeah, it's it does suggest that Jericho needs help, assistance, getting over. And I think we've been doing this show long enough, the three of us and many other people on our stuff as well, that that's one thing Jericho does not need help with is getting over. So the Fed, so cautiously optimistic. We're not finished yet. Not by a long shot, but don't fuck it up. (laughs) How many times have I said that in the last four years? Don't fuck it up. After a brief interlude about fans waiting in line to see The Rock and Big Show at the London branch of Virgin Records, close enough, JR, here comes China. So it's Jarrett versus China, as announced earlier in the show. Uh, JJ gets his punches off, but China is ready for him, as she is for an axe handle off the top. And you know where the blow went. She goes for the pedigree, but Jarrett escapes. He then misses the jump on opponent's head on the second rope thing. That's got to have a name. And gets the electric chair for his trouble. Bulldog then hits the ring and attacks China. This includes a running power slam. And of course, Jarrett locks on the figure of four because that is what he does. Dan, no real match to speak of here. All angle advancement. And again, it's about getting the Bulldog booed, isn't it? Yeah, I I genuinely can't believe they're doing this, but good on them because it's working. I don't know whether this is more of a of a praising that the writers of WWF are actually kind of more in tune with getting heat on the character whether it's an endorsement that China's really, really popular with the fans and they will boot anybody who, you know, hurts her, or whether it's just the WWF's fans in the crowd being more, I don't know, what's, what's the word, susceptible to go along with whatever the WWF are putting in front of them. Um, to me, I don't really care. So I'm probably in the middle of all three of them. And this did at least build for the China Jarrett match we are apparently getting at the No Mercy pay-per-view in a couple of weeks. Uh, Chris, your thoughts on all of this? I'm Again, we'll discuss it at the end of the show, but the efforts they're going to to make sure Bulldog is not popular with the Birmingham crowd, I don't like it. It's, it is one of those of, as I said, sort of at the beginning of um, with China, that she's easily the one that people like because, you know, she's... She's the strong woman taking on the evil arsehole of a man. An easy way to make Bulldog hated a bit more is that he attacks her. Um, For what they're doing for this whole show, it is pretty simple booking 101. Just make Bulldog a bit more bigger dick. And it worked. Um, Part of me would quite like to see a bit more of China and Jarrett because what we did get the couple of minutes we did get was all right you know china is limited and 
you know, for what we say about Jarrett being a shite character and someone we don't care for or even, you know, worry about his existence, he has been about and is a good enough hand to actually can pull a match together. So I think it will help China in the long run being in the ring with Jarrett. But, you know, it, it progresses the story for the show. It does, which again, we will wrap up when we get there. Uh, Jarrett China, just to uh, reiterate, going at it again on the pay-per-view in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, you'll hear all about that one in part two. And the Jeff Jarrett contract negotiations as well taking place as we record this. Watch this space, let's say that, if my sources are correct. Big Show versus Kane in a no-DQ match. JR gets in, this will be no scientific masterpiece, nice and early. But then Big Show does deploy his dropkick. He needs to do that more often if he can. Ten punches in the corner by Kane get to about five before he gets shrugged off. And then Kane with his own dropkick. I'll tell you what, I'd better get to pressing shift than F8 after all. Hard slam by show and then a big headbutt and a backbreaker. Huge slaps to the chest in the corner, but now Kane hits back, but only to take a reverse DDT. Okay. Boston Crab goes on for a while, but Big Show just sort of lets him go. Kane with an Enziguri, but he can't execute the body slam. Show misses an elbow and then takes a DDT. Top rope clothesline by Kane and he calls for the choke slam, but Show says no. He says yes to a chair though, but Kane kicks it back in his face. Body slam and cover and three. Uh, Chris, other than the body slam pin finish, which I'll make the first time that's happened since, oh yes, I'm going there, the Shockmaster versus the Equalizer at Starcade 1993. Whisper it, but this was all right, wasn't it? I enjoyed this. This was a couple of big hosses throwing each other into each other. You know, drop kicks coming out. I never thought. You know, I'd heard I'd heard rumours that you know, Big Show Giant had could throw a drop kick, and obviously they they spoke about it. And I didn't see much of him in WCW, so I don't know if he ever did pull it out in WCW. But him and Kane both showed big guys can still get you know the high spots in. This this uh, something that happens for pretty much all of this show is finishes to matches not being finishing moves. Um, this being a body slam, obviously Jericho with the shit low blow roll up. Um, obviously we get it again later with the the tag match or the three way tag match where you know they're not using a the finisher, they use a tornado DDT to get a win. It's like yeah, we're not even going to put the effort in to actually do the ma- the moves that you're known for. Would it would it really have hurt Big Show enough to just jump up and take a choke slam? Could he have? Do you think? Well, if he can jump up to take a drop kick, he can uh, help true. Kane drop him up, chuck him up to put him down on a choke slam. I guess so. Yeah, it's fair enough. But then the finish is probably for me the only real. Oh, no. other than the obvious only thing I could really criticise this match for yeah Dan I think we just witnessed witnessed <laughs> my attempt at a Brummy accent even I am on I witnessed the uh, flare steamboat of WWF late 99 Hoss matches I'll keep this short and sweet this wasn't rubbish <laughs> nice variation on the theme there it really was okay wasn't it it really really was and this going back to what i said earlier about val versus mark henry here you can afford to change things up try one or two you know, things we don't normally see i mean we haven't seen big show giant try to throw a drop kick for many a year and here he is doing it 
Kane with an Enziguri. He could do these things. Let's see it. Don't want to see it every single match because I want to keep characters or in-ring characters separated. I don't want to think that everybody can do the same thing, everybody working the same way. That gets very boring very quickly. But if people do have these things in their locker and they are more capable workers than we're often allowed to see, when we are just peeking around the door and we're just pushing it ajar just a little bit and we get people like this doing drop kicks and enziguris and doing them fairly well and they need to be commended and on this whoever it was who laid out the match needs to be commended as well so more of this please yes i've just requested more big show kane what is this show doing to me next up oh, oh god speaking of which triple h is back and he cuts what is now his customary promo he doesn't care about anybody just the world title ugh, ugh. with the one addition for us lucky uk fans of there being no quality dental care sported by anybody in the crowd yeah 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 also mate you're not near london and no i have not met the queen oh for fuck's sake x-pac versus bulldog even without everything we have already mentioned, Bulldog's genera rock music and his genes would tell you all you need to know. He shoves down Pack to begin, but an arm drag snaps him back to reality. Into the side headlock already, and it's just a few knockdowns for a while. Slam out of a spin kick, Pack did a lot there, and now we totter outside. Not much going on, but in the ring, Davey can still do his vertical suplex without too much trouble. Headlock goes back on, and the tank is empty. Bulldog sucks chant that the Fed will goes up oh dear and then on the third try so too does x-pack he connects with a spin kick this time and then one of the standing variety bronco buster next but davy then just picks him up and dumps him on the ropes and a quick power slam no running this time sees this one off uh dan i'll come to you first on the match so yet more bulldog stuff to come later on as i keep saying so just focus on the match here if you can yeah, this is like if you if this was in 1994 this match would have probably been easily one of the match of the night contenders. But one of these people in the ring has just dramatically got so much worse in that time period that this match felt throwaway. And you said it there, it's like no running power slam. It's like if, if you can't even do your signature move because you're that out of condition, then something is seriously wrong with you, mate. And I couldn't get over that. That's, that's kind of... The match itself was just, I, it was like on the, just on the side of okay for me, but I was let down by the people in the ring that we didn't get something better out of this because X-Pac is one of the most reliable workers in this company right now and the Bulldog is on paper a, a guy who raises his level to the level of ability in the ring and he's just, if he's lost that, then what use is he? Because he's got nothing else to give. Yeah, Chris, definitely five years too late this one. Yeah, um, obviously during the most of the show, obviously Bulldog's been in those jeans and that awful idea of, you know, the jeans tugged into the boots. Didn't realise that was his new wrestling attire. Yeah. Um, that I know obviously he's he's fucked up after <coughs> that botch um, on the trap door in WCW and he's he probably shouldn't be in a ring. We know this. But if this is where he is wrestling, so obviously I'm not going to take any like the rest of the show and the fact of what he's been up to. But if he can't put a, a match together against X Park, should he really be in the ring at all? I, I know, you know, he he needs to. He clearly needs money because he's got to go back to the Fed. 
after what happened in 97 with the screw job we all know that the the family do not like this and the, especially with what's happened to owen as well is is davy got some gambling debts is he on you know an addiction to some expensive drugs i i don't know what it is that's made him go back but i'm pretty sure he shouldn't be here he is not when in the ring and in a match he is not in game shape and if this carries on he's only going to destroy his legacy i agree he shouldn't be anywhere nearly remotely near a wrestling ring at this point even last year before he sustained the injury when he was in wcw i thought he looked slow he looked bloated and now we're a year on from that and everything else that has happened elsewhere too that's still got to be weighing on his mind no not exactly Mr. Popular with the Hart family right now. And here he is taking Vince's buck again, getting what is obviously a, inverted commas, goodwill push into the main event scene. Uh, what's he got? He's got a headlock. He's just about got the vertical suplex. He hasn't got his finishing move anymore. The only three things he can really get away with in the ring, but paradoxically it might be i'm actually quite glad about that i fear that if he tried anything else he could end up end up seriously hurting somebody in the ring i think on at least more than one occasion i was watching closely during this match uh, x-pac looked pissed off at best and down like worried at worst about what bulldog could actually unleash on him i think pack wanted to be in the ring with him at all and to use the old click line of measurement from a few years ago you know they were the juice whether somebody was worthy of them or not by whether they could have a good match with kid if they had a bad match with Kid, then they were a completely lost cause. And I'm afraid that's where Davey is right now. But it is not the last we see of him tonight. Let's get to another match, shall we? Uh, number one contenders, tag team title match, Ed, Edge and Christian versus the Acolytes versus the Hollies. Two teams in the ring at any one time. Anybody can be tagged. Elimination rules. Edge and Hardcore start out with some basic offense, then crash scores a lash two, I think I mean flash in my notes, off a crossbody attempt by Christian. Frukin, what is our umpteenth power slam of the night, but we have to wait a while for our first dominator. Crash gets crushed on the top, then taken down with a side superplex by Bradshaw, sent him most of the way across the ring, in fact. He eats a hardcore brainbuster though, and this one has broken down quickly. It gets back together in time for a close line from hell to pin Crash and get rid of the Hollies. Quick thinking drop kick by Edge almost keeps Bradshaw down, as does a double clothesline by E&C. Bradshaw goes for a power bomb, but Edge counters. Bradshaw then catches Christian into a fallaway slam. Bear hug locked on by Farouk, then a no-nonsense spinebuster for a strong two count. Irish whip launches Christian into the corner, and the acolytes are now in total control. But as soon as I type that, here is Christian with a facebuster. He can't get the tag straight away, though, but following a desperation DDT, he does. Babyface fired by Edge, and then Christian dives over the top onto Farouk. But he recovers to prevent a Bradshaw cover on Edge after another clothesline from Hell. But an Edge Tornado DDT gets a three-count win and preserves for number one contendership for his team, Christopher. This was where I was expecting to see the Dudleys. So, oh, <laughs> You're not letting this go, are you? Tag team action. <laughs> we're going we're to, you know, get the acolytes they've, they've the Dudleys just started. each they've other. They've just started. Patience. I said it earlier. Patience, dear boy. <laughs> But I will say, you know, it is awesome to watch, you know, the acolytes basically do what they do best, which is just hurt people. 
um, but in a, in a good sort of safeish way. Um, I don't know much about this this Crash Holly lad. Obviously, I haven't been watching a lot of the Fed recently. I don't know where he comes from and what his what his shtick is, but him saying that he was being a super heavyweight and them coming out as 800 pounds between the two of them is quite funny. Um, but as I said a little bit earlier, uh, people using their not finishers to win matches, it seems a bit phoned in at times. And for Bradshaw to be beaten with a tornado DDT sort of, you know, goes against big man needing to actually be, you know, hurt to put down. But it's a decent match, you know, for the rest of this card. It's one of the highlight matches, you know. It it was worth the price of admission on this, you know. If I was there, I would have had a very good time. And we do whisper it, because you know Chris White's listening, have ourselves a tag team division, Dan. There is there is no denying the fact that, they, that we have a legitimately good tag division right now, because... Yes, the Dudleys are not here, Chris, but also not here are the Hardy Boys, mm-hmm. Kane and X-Pac, the Rock and Sock Connection, and the tag team champions themselves in the Ridge Outlaws. So that's seven teams right off the bat that could easily hold the belts. Even the Hollies, even the Hollies with their you know ridiculous gimmick could have a little comedy run. So, yeah, great, fantastic. We've got another division that's stacked. That's fantastic. And I've really enjoyed this match. I mean, th- there's so... there's all the good different character traits to, to, to these three teams. The Hollies are goofs and they get the shit knocked out of them by real super heavyweights. So that's always hilarious. The Acolytes are just like the most, what, there's something so valuable in having two big men, Haas tag teams that just operate as, you know, they can operate with, with Haas on Haas matches with the Dudleys. They can have, you know, um, they can take on the new age outlaws or, um, you know, as a Hollies, as I said, as I like, ass kicking, you know, tweeners, or they can, you know, be the foil for the Hardys and Edge and Christian to act up as and um, springboard against. So to me, they're just like the most, they're almost like the most valuable tag team right now in that division because they can work with so many different styles. And I thought they were excellent in this match and they gave Edge and Christian a lot of, of, um, of reason to get behind. And then, you know, I disagree with Chris. Bradshaw has been beaten by the Tornado DDT quite a lot in tv matches quite throughout the year so to me that didn't really matter at all and i bought it as a legitimate finish and yeah I, I really enjoyed this match and it's probably the highlight of the night outside the main event yeah i had no problem with the finish or indeed the match at all i probably would have liked to have seen a little more of the hollies i mean they are all gimmick at the moment but it's a fun one it's a fun one you know bob with his put upon cousin because he's the one who does the putting upon no he pisses him off he tries to throw him in there at the deep end but he's always there to try to rescue him and administer a beating because after all they are family i like that dynamic i hope we get to see a bit more of it and edge and christian are great bumpers and the acolytes are great ass kickers when you've got people like the hardys and oh yes chris the dudleys as well waiting in the wings because the dudleys will get their time i'm sure okay so that already is the basis of a pretty solid tag division. Now, I can see the belts changing hands here. I can see proper tournaments between proper teams. And the thing that I really 
want to give the credit uh, to the Fed for, I've stopped doing that far too many times today, give the credit to the Fed for on this one, is that it sort of just crept up throughout the year, the improvement of the tag. They haven't turned around four months ago, right, you haven't seen much of tag teams over the last two years, so we're going to give you these guys and these guys. They haven't done that. It's just happened incrementally, month by month. And I'm really, really glad at that. And I hope it can continue. They've certainly got the numbers. All the tag teams I've seen in all their various combinations, especially over the last two months, they all work well together because they all bring something else to the table. And they're meshing together so well. It's It does make you wish we'd seen this a year or so ago. But you know, we've waited patiently, that word again, and we are now being rewarded. Good match here. I'm glad Edge and Christian won. I hope they do get the tag belts pretty soon, actually. I think they could do a lot of fun things with them. But we're motoring in the right direction now. A million miles from where we were just 10 months ago. Well played to everybody involved, Federation included. So then, on to our main event, and we get another excellent video package, it must be said before our main event, referencing the Triple H Rock match on Raw a few days ago, and the Triple H Bulldog contest on SmackDown with The Rock as special guest ref. It doesn't matter if The Rock counts the three, indeed. And then we see Triple H finding Austin, rather than China, backstage on that edition of SmackDown. I should say Austin will face the winner of this one at No Mercy in two weeks' time. Despite appearing on promotional material and certain T-shirts worn by plants, Austin is not here tonight. Rock is out first, and he does just about pronounce the name of the city correctly. And I'm from Birmingham, so I can say that. Here we go. See what you think. Finally, The Rock has come back to Birmingham! I'll let him have it. He then suggests Triple H is spending some time with the everlasting gobstopper. Keeping that metaphor going, he then alights on the Oompa Loompa, and you know where he plans on putting it. Rock then spots somebody giving him the thumbs down and gets it doesn't matter. Triple H is here now, and he does not take kindly to being given the Argentina 1978 ticker tape treatment. So, WWF title, Rock versus Triple H. Steel cage escape rules only. Black bars as well, by the way. Bell rings and they soak in the asshole chants. Well directed that they are. Big punch fest from both guys to start, and that's fine. They exchange knockdowns and then Triple H goes to climb out. See, that's when escape rules have a point. The heel trying to run away, uh, but Rock easily stops him. Rock then has a go, but wisely gives up. He then, though, eats a shot to the breadbasket. Booze for Triple H on everything he does. You cannot deny that he manages to make people hate him. Pause, pause, pause. And then Rock neck breakers him down. Another attempt at escape does not go very well, however. Helmsley rams Rocky into the cage a few times and then stomps him down. Until Rock is up, we have another slugfest and a Samoan drop. After a breather, Hunter with his knee drop and clothesline put Rock down once again. Helmsley climbs up and gets to the top of a cage, but Rock is just able to grab his foot. And here is a Chris White special from Jim Ross. And then Helmsley jerked off the top. Rock has a go now and he manages to get a long way over. Uh, Triple H actually slips off the rope when trying to stop him. I don't think that was planned, but they cover well enough and exchange blows on the top rope, which of course only ends one way. Or if you're Michael Hayes, they won't be in need of the Godfather's hose tonight. They get up and after Triple H does a top rope nothing, Rock catches him right into a rock bottom. He opts to climb though rather than go for the door and after some slow climb nonsense, there you go, Dan. Helmsley can side suplex him down. They loudly discuss a spot or two, one of which turns out to be a power slam. <laughs> As if you needed to discuss a power slam spot today. Another try to go over the top by Rock, but Helmsley grabs him and then fights off another rock bottom attempt into a pedigree and another double down. 
Triple H crawls for the open door, but Rocky just stops him, but Hunter is able to bring in a chair. Hebner stops him, but gets the chair into his face. Rock then crawls out the door and is the WWF champion. Okay, uh, Hebner's down, but I have no doubt at all one of the many other refs backstage will come to ringside and ratify the decision. No? No. A brawl outside for a bit, and now Rock has the mic. He has a gift from he and the fans, and it's a chair shot right to Helmsley's head, and it opens him up with monkey piss, apparently. Rock puts Hunter on the announce table, then from the cage, elbows him right through it. He dumps Hunter's carcass back into the ring, and I guess the match is continuing. Right into the steel, and it didn't taste like fish and chips. Oh, that depends on where you frequent, JR. I've had a few fish and chips that might well taste like steel. I'm not going to mention them by name, Walkers. Rock then climbs out for some reason. Why? And Bulldog is here to stop him. He launches Rocky into the ring. Then Shane gets himself some of Davy Boy. He takes a power slam and now Patterson and Briscoe. Uh, I'm, I'm normally pleased to see them, but here, Bulldog sees to them too. Davy goes after Triple H as the crowd chant for Austin. A rock bottom gets them back though. He goes for the door, but now here is China to slam it on his head. Hunter goes to climb out. Rock is able to grab him by the hair, though, and they fight onto the roof of the cage. China goes up, but goes down again very quickly, and now Bulldog yanks down Rock. And as he sees to him, Helmsley gets out, wins the match to retain the title. I'll take a breather. We'll talk about the post-match stuff shortly. Dan, your world title match between The Rock and Triple H. Your thoughts? Uh, Confusing. But I don't necessarily say think that's bad because they I'll give the Federation huge credit for somehow managing to make a cage match have a crowd brawl and an announce table break. It's the way of the world now. It's it's contractually obliged that we have at least one of them in our main events of the night. Um I, I thought the two guys, like for a UK pay-per-view, which on paper for them doesn't matter really put on a show in terms of effort. I really do think they actually really tried their asses off here, particularly The Rock. I mean, The Rock is just, like, you can see that he's he's almost on par with Austin at the minute in terms of just how much the crowd revere him. And you can say that they were chanting for Austin at the end, but the fact that he could get back mm-hmm. so quickly is is testament to his his ability to to work them over and just and just his general ability as a, as a as a all-round star. And conversely, Triple H is... The, the amount of heat this guy can get just by, you know, the way he's been booked and his mannerisms is 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 brilliant. I didn't think this was possible for him, you know, four or five months ago when he when he was being elevated to this point. But fair play to him, he's he's done really well to get this much of a heel reaction. And again, credit to him. Um, yes, I I understand the whole point about you know. Earl Hebner has been knocked out and surely someone else can run from the back would run out and, and the war decision. But come on, it's wrestling. We've been all right. This is like part and parcel of the contract we signed up for as wrestling fans. Yeah, I guess so. Afraid so. Um, but like, what well, again, one, what we got outside the ring was really entertaining because the rock is there and he's on the, with a microphone and a commentary headset. That's always gold, you know? So I didn't really mind that as much as I thought I would with them on the outside. But what I do have problems with is one, any time a door is involved in a cage match, I get annoyed because I always have the problem of why don't you just go up for the door and why are your why have you lost the loose of your legs when you try to go through the door? <laughs> I try always hate that. Always hate it. Go over the top of the cage if you need to. Um unless you're Brett Hall or Owen in, in the summer sunlight four. The two two again, Bulldog's involvement. 
I, I'll talk about that later on, but he's just not. He, he looked so far away out away from these two guys in terms of his level of ability, so it just kind of detracted from it a little bit. And and then why is China getting involved with Triple H's main events? Because he has been talking for for the last two weeks about how he doesn't need anybody, he doesn't care about anybody, mm-hmm. only the title is important to him. And China's still coming out and saving the belt for him when she's meant to be a face. Like everyone's meant to be loving her and cheering her against this misogynistic creep, and yet she's co- costing your hero winning the title. It's just again, it's confusing. What like who am I meant to be rooting for here? So the match itself, I was a was a big fan of logic loopholes aside, but I think there are definitely like kind of like oh just go out there and do something quickly to get us uh, to get us back to the Yanks you know side of the pond vibes to this sort of thing. But I I can't sing the praise of the Rock enough for his performance in this in this match. For he the, for the very the very first time in my opinion carried himself like the face of the company rather than just. A one A to the to Steve Austin's very definite A. It's coming. It's definitely coming. Chris, your thoughts on our main event? I really liked this. This was a proper, proper old-fashioned cage match. Um, I think it helped by having the old-fashioned big bar cage. Um, I I get the the ref bump spot. I think it worked. It obviously meant we got the obligatory scrap outside rock cutting a promo and the fact that we have mr ps hayes purely sexy himself on commentary china with that door shot reminds me of when he did it to flair or in the match against devon eriks nice reference you know it's it's a proper throwback to what a cage match was in the 80s when the cage matches were the big blow-offs and you know you can you can pull your logic hole of oh well why why did they go out of the ring and then no other ref come out i i don't think it hurt this at all um again with it being a uk show we knew that hunter wasn't going to drop the belt so the way that they've done this with bulldog being the reason that you know Bulldog, China, both get involved so Hunter can still cheat and get his win. Perfectly fine with me. Everything was awesome in this. I really, really liked it. And I know you haven't gone into it next, but the post-match worked as what made it make even more sense because the crowd go home happy after the post-match angle. So Hunter leaves with his heat and the bell, it makes sense, but the crowd still gets to go home happy at the end. We will talk about that in a couple of minutes. I thought this was really, really good. It had to be really, really good. It should have been really, really good because these two know each other inside out, back to front, every which way but, and very possibly including loose. There might be some matches I've even forgotten, but just on TV alone, because that's where we are these days, on TV alone, since they last had a cage match in the first week of July on Raw, they have faced each other in high-profile matches no fewer than five times. So there might even be more. And that is discounting all the other pay-per-view matches they've had against each other. Thursday, Raw, Thursday, two and a half years ago, all of that. These two should be able to go out there, cage match or not, 
for 20 minutes and give us a worthy quality match. And it must be said, I'm going to say it again. Yes, they did. They didn't do anything particularly out of the ordinary. I'm not sure, and I'm being this with the best will in the world, yes, even towards Hunter, I'm not sure they can do anything out of the ordinary. But World Wrestling Federation main events as we move towards the year 2000, I'm not asking for that. I'm just asking for good, hard-hitting, gripping matches, well-defined face, well-defined heel, crowd going nuts, and a big crescendo finish. And that's pretty much what we got here. Yes, I quibbled in the paper, in the um the play-by-play there about the nobody seeing that the Rock had won. And yeah, it did annoy me. I'm not going to pretend it didn't. But in this context, UK pay-per-view, you want to keep the crowd on side. That's sort of a false finish to ensure the crowd are up for a pop. I can live with it. I can live with it. I don't think we needed it, but it's okay. It gave the crowd the chance to cheer the UK crowd, the chance to cheer the Rock as WWF champion. I have no doubt Maybe when they're back in the UK by next May, who knows? They will have their opportunity again to really, really do it. Yep. They didn't go out and dog this. They had their normal match against each other, but nowadays it is a good one. I thought there was a bit too much going on, even for the WWF in the last 90 seconds or so. Shane, Briscoe, Patterson, China, and the Bulldog. Yeah, a bit too much there. And I think that's probably why the crowd were chanting for Austin. I don't think they would have done that if everybody else hadn't run in. But as you say, Dan, they got it back quickly. Yeah, a good quality match where the title was never going to change hands. Let's be on it. Missed. And even when the fans did cheer Rock, they knew something was up. But at least they got their moment. And I can't discredit either guy here. As much as in one example I might particularly like to, I can't. They didn't just phone this one in, unlike certain other people on the card. They gave us a worthy main event. Can you call this one a pay-per-view style, uh, sorry, pay-per-view level main event? Yes, I think you can. So well played, everybody. But we're not done yet. Wait a minute, wait a minute. There's Vince McMahon. Oh, there's the owner. There's Mr. McMahon. There's going to be trouble. Vince McMahon is back. Remember the Bulldogs. Hurt Vince and Dr. Stephanie earlier here tonight. Vince has a, what's he got in his hand? It's a chain, what's he doing? It's a man is chaining the, the cage door. Do the key. There's a rock. The bulldog's got nowhere to go. Here's the damn key. Oh, the rock. Whoa, rock bottom. The bulldog has cost the rock. The WWE title. Vince McMahon has left the Bulldog in the cage with a rock, and now there's going to be some hell to pay. The most electrifying move in sports entertainment. After the match, Vince comes to ringside as Bulldog is still beating on rock, and he changed the door of the cage. He gives Davey the finger and drops an F-bomb. So, you know, we've got different standards here. And the UK crowd gets sent home happy by the British Bulldog taking a rock bottom and the people's elbow. That is where we are now. Chris, the British Bulldog is going to get booed, whether he wants to or not. And he's not getting a title shot. Um, And he definitely wants that one. (laughs) Yeah, as I said... This is 
how you because the thing is heel wins it has to win as we said there we go rock gets his shit in people lose their shit crowd go home happy if you were at the arena you were going to forget about the piss poor godfather match the piss poor valvinus match the piss poor women's match because you've seen your hero the rock the guy that you know i know this pains me to say it because how much i love him is you know a bigger fan favorite than rvd fuck's sake <laughs> you went 75 minutes <laughs> <laughs> i knew it was too good to be i knew it was fucking coming Go yeah, on. <laughs> but this is what people pay their money to go and see they want to see the rock they want to see the rock hit his shit they've got it and i can guarantee you if you were walking out of that venue last night that's the thing everyone will be talking about uh, I agree with that, but it was the British Bulldog. The British Bulldog in Britain was the recipient of it and getting booed by 100% of the crowd. Isn't that a problem? Rock or no rock? Um, but They got what they Bulldog. wanted, the Bulldog being booed and hated, but it's the British Bulldog at a UK pay-per-view. You know, have we learned nothing from two years ago? The pro- I think the problem is, the difference now is... Two years ago, it was Canada and Britain versus America. So when Brett was over here, Brett got cheered, but he was booed to shit in the States. Mm -hmm. What is Bulldog's redeeming feature since he's come back? Obviously, I haven't watched any of the Fed for the past couple of months, so I don't I haven't seen him on TV. But from what I've seen of him tonight, he has no redeeming feature. He has no. I'm doing this for Britain. Two years ago, he was doing it for his dying sister. Mm-hmm. What's he? What's he? He just wants a title shot. But there's no redeeming factor to him. That's what I mean. He's positioned here as a heel. We are told throughout the show what a horrible person he is for throwing a bin about delicate virginal flower Stephanie McMahon. You're right when you say there's nothing to cheer him for, but. He's the British Bulldog in Britain. That's the thing that's annoying me. Um, We're not, not in all 92 anymore. No, I know, I know, but it, it, it doesn't sit easy with me. I, I do 100% get your point. The WWF in 1999 is a very, very different place to it is in 92. But just here on a UK pay-per-view. Chris, uh, sorry, Dan, your thoughts on that and uh, the closing segment as a whole. I honestly don't think it's a problem at all. To just, sorry to disagree with the host here, but like 1992, <laughs> 1992, we had Bret Hart and a dying bull bastard as our main faces of the company. We, they were nowhere near the level of Austin, The Rock, and arguably Mick Foley. So the British Bulldog is not is not as big a focal point in British wrestling right now than he was seven years ago or even two years ago. That's and good. not only that. One is that yes, he's a he's a shadow of his former self. So even if he was positioned as a you know babyface coming up against the ranks to fight off evil heel Triple H, and he gave the pathetic performance he did in the in a five minute match against X Pac in a twenty minute main event, that's worse than to me getting booed 
and getting a reaction rather than getting cheered and then having you know all the crowd slowly realize that their hero is has fallen completely mm. and free have you seen his have you seen his ability as, as a in-ring promo <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not like he—it's not like he can cut an inspirational speech about Rule Britannia and stuff like that. It's just—it's just that passion is not there anymore. So even if they wanted to, I don't—I really, truly don't think it was in their best interest to to position the British Bulldog as the one last hurrah, you know, for to to give the UK fans what they wanted. It's—it's it's just too. The the time has passed. Like we don't need to have the British Bulldog be a all-conquering British hero anymore because and also the other point is that you know let's be honest here a lot more wrestling fans have turned up watching the WWF in the last two years yeah that's a good call they have never seen the some of them probably have never seen the British Bulldog in his pomp so to them like yeah it's just it's just a evil you know a guy with a British accent beating up our hero the rock why on earth would I cheer him so again, just to me, it, it doesn't make sense. The right was the wrong way of saying it, but I have no problem whatsoever with him being a heel here. Uh, to paraphrase General Melcher in Blackadder Goes Forth, I'm just a sentimental young booby, aren't I? Um, <laughs> I think I would like to have seen it because what happened two years ago pissed me off to such a degree I voted for it as the worst booking decision of 97 ahead of the main event of Starcade 97 and like all decent people I hated that so if you haven't heard that show that is indicative of how much I disliked the main event last five minutes of one night only two years ago but I do get it we're in a very different place today people oh I can only speak for this country but everybody wants to be the rock those are the catchphrases you hear in the common room by the water cooler in the park. Goal celebration. So that is what you hear now. That's it. The Rock is, he is very much taking over. And if he isn't, well, you talked about being 1A earlier, Dan. If, as is rumoured, Austin needs to take, take some time off for his nagging neck injuries, now, when Rock steps in, it's going to be all better off and he's going to be huge in this country, US, worldwide and deservedly so. I have no issue with The Rock being number one here whatsoever. It is what the crowd wanted, you know, even if the WWF manipulated this reaction a bit over the previous two hours. And I do think they did. You cannot argue with that reaction. It is now The Rock's world. We just live in it. And Davey Boy Smith, I, I hate having to say this. But he is truly yesterday's man. That's a damn shame. But the business has passed him by, I'm sad to say. And I just kind of hope he gets out of it very quickly. And he realizes that. But like Chris, you said earlier, I do think he needs the money. He probably does think he is doing this as a favor to the Hart family, although they would vociferously disagree. It's a very, very sad state of affairs. But what we see on screen and the probable reasons for it off screen as well. But let's sum up the Rebellion 1999 pay-per-view that we all plonked down 15 quid for yesterday. Uh, Chris, your overall thoughts, a score rating out of 10. And as I say, we've had four of these now in the UK. Uh, what do you think of the UK-specific pay-per-views? It looks like we're going to be having at least two a year for the foreseeable future. Do you think they're viable? Do you think they should be improved? Do you think there should be more storylines going on? What do you reckon? Take all of that. So for this as an overall... As I said at the beginning, it is a tale of two shows. Um, half of the matches 
they turned up and put an effort in and the other half were bleh. A really good main event, which in, in in the end will be the one thing that I remember of this show is that cage match. So do I think we should be having them twice a year? Yes. I think, you know, us Brits do want to have that because we're not they're not coming over and doing tours anymore uh like they used to in the early 90s you know they are coming over just for these two quote unquote pay-per-views would i prefer that they were more important and actually you know relevant to what happens in the states and follow stories yes of course i would but these aren't shown in the states these 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 come out on home video six months later in the States as a sort of, oh, look, this was something that happened. Do you want to watch it? It's never going to be a show where a title, a major title changes. You might get, I don't know, the European title change hands or maybe even the women's title. But the world title isn't changing hands. The IC title isn't changing hands on this show. Do I, do I know this and go into every one of them knowing it? Yes. Do I think it's worth the 15 quid? I suppose we have to put our hands in our pocket every so often, because unlike in the States, we don't have to pay for anything else for the rest of the year. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, you know, yes, I I think they, they have to come over here. They have to put the shows on. And if they are going to only come over twice a year and they're only doing one-off shows, then this pay-per-view idea is is the only feasible option i just i just wish they'd be a little bit have a bit more of a purpose but that being said as i said if even if the only thing we get is a main event of the quality of the one we've had here at least that's worth you know it was worth the price of admission to see that you know the other matches on there but there was some decent stuff you know as i said the tag match was decent. The uh, Big Show came match, again, a decent match. The opener was decent. Jericho and Road Dog was decent. It's just, you know, you can tell, before the match starts, if it's title match, champions involved, you know what's going to happen because nothing ever happens over here. And until something does happen and we do get that miracle moment of oh a title has changed hands that actually means something then more for the live audience than the tv audience that being said my rules for this is i give it five dan review of the pay-per-view score raising out of ten on your thoughts on uk shows as a whole yes it's broadly similar to Chris in that do if I wanted to put cold hard cash down to watch a wrestling show I would like to think that something important may happen on it and ultimately when I know that isn't going to happen it's very difficult for me to say that this show is value for money but again as Chris said we are spoiled in the Brits uh, because we don't have to pay for the majority of the US pay-per-views so which stuff happens quite a bit and I feel guilty about complaining about paying for stuff, which doesn't going to happen when our poor American friends, Eric and Bob, have to pay 29.95 for the privilege of watching this stuff. Um, 
so and 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 if i went to this show you know live then maybe that's the way of thinking it maybe have this more as a as an emphasis to go and get tickets and watch wf live rather than and then if anyone wants to watch it on skybox if it's box office they can like that's the way of doing it make it a make it a really enjoyable experience for the live crowd and do stuff like what the rock did in the main event and do stuff like Jarrett did you know riling up the crowd make it really engaging house show and then that makes it um a very attractive proposition for loads of people to come and watch it as an actual show like it's, it's a it's a house show like we all know that but sometimes house shows are really cool because you get to see weird stuff like the rock you know shouting at crowd members about this what their sign says and you get to see vincent man drop an f-bomb and you get to see you know um Kane whip out an enziguri and big show of a drop kick that doesn't happen often but it's like on the house shows you just see weird random nonsense don't you um and it, this is easily better than some of the big big shows that we have put on this year like it's better than wrestlemania it's better than the royal rumble it's better than king of the ring so like on that basis yeah it, it kind of is like sometimes you just want simple and simple straight storytelling with with reasonably predictable outcomes uh i'm gonna i'm gonna go a little bit lower than chris and say 4.5 because there was a lot of filler nonsense on this card which easily could have been cold but this is it's definitely kind of no actually i'm gonna go five i'll go five um i think that's harsh on the main event and some of the stuff that the other guys did in the in the card so five out of ten yeah so it's fives across the board all very very nice one neat little package um yeah we are very very fortunate as uk fans we get a very very good deal let's make no mistake we get to see raw as live every friday evening on sky sports which is fine uh, we don't have smackdown yet but we have ways and means of seeing it to bring you the review dear listener and of course as a sky subscriber as we all are hi roop we all get to see the standard pay-per-views for nicks as we say over here not having to pay an extra penny to see every pay-per-view every month so plonking down 15 notes twice a year for a glorified house show in front of what is always going to be a mega hot crowd because we like our wrestling over here you know and i cannot complain too much now taking this as a pay-per-view from start to finish no it was not great it wasn't and there were examples especially down the card people who really did not want to be there bit of jet lag as i say bit of a trip to broad street beforehand go in three minutes get out end of story but main event as i said was pay-per-view quality it really was you might have got a slightly more dramatic finish in a proper pay-per-view but the match itself they two of them both went for it and you've got to give them credit for that the crowd loved it and i do hope they keep these up uh, wwf are guaranteed a sellout they're guaranteed a good 80 to 100 000 buys in on sky sports i say all the pay-per-views they've done so far have got good numbers we haven't got the ones for this one yet we'll try and bring it to you as soon as we can but i'm sure it's going to be healthy six figures and just just keep on doing it you know it is the World Wrestling Federation after all. And if we can all get pay-per-views, <laughs> okay, if we all had pay-per-views like this, we'd have concern. But twice a year, as they turn your brain off, sit back on a Saturday night, crack, crack open a cold one or two. Like Chris says, you're probably not going to get any title changes. You're not going to get any mega story stuff, but you're going to get a lot of big names. And if you're very lucky, a high quality main event. So we got that here. Five out of ten. I wouldn't search high and low 
for the VHS when it becomes available in about six months' time. But if you can get hold of the main event, I strongly recommend you do so. So five out of ten for Rebellion 1999. And that, short and sweet, wraps up the show for this month. We are now back in October 2019. I would like to thank Dan Welling. Dan, thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to to drop in English references whenever we can to predominantly US market-based media. So, yeah, great. Um, I I managed to keep it back a little bit. I I did drop the 1968 European Cup final in there. So for me, just, just one, that's actually not bad. Well, I had to do all I could to, st- to not start singing Three Lions, but... <laughs> uh, there is a show we recorded last year where Three Lions does get in there, but Pete didn't sing it. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, Dan, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Daniel886 if you would like to hear the ramblings whenever they appear. And you can also hear me on numerous bonus episodes we have on our Wrestling 20 Years Ago Patreon account, which if any donation you would like to hear... Uh, me, Rory, Chris, the Chris's, Eric, all that jazz. You know, you know where to find us on there by now. Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast, patreon.com. You heard the man. And Chris, thank you very much for taking a trip out of the extreme for um, uh, just for once. And I still managed to get my, you know, my, we, my showly uh, RVD love in as well. Living the gimmick. Chris, <laughs> where, where can people find you? And what else have you got going on, my friend? So, um, you can find my usual ramblings about how Norwich are doing in the Premier League and how shit video games look this Christmas at Legacy555666. Um, Show and Tell the Tunes is on a little bit of a break at the moment just because I haven't had time to do one with everything else that's been going on at the minute. Um, you know, parents wanted me to do all the things for being a football manager that I do why did I do all this? I have no free time and work. Um, But soon part two of the Oasis show should be up and then hopefully time allowing will be back to normality and getting regular shows out uh, on there as well. And of course, listen to me on ECW because you know, you want me more loving on RVD and Jerry Lynn and all the other joys of ECW. Yes, bring a pillow. Yes, I am Rory McNamara. <laughs> we are the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wrestling 20 Years. You can find us on Facebook. I'm in charge of the Twitter. Mr. Lacey in charge of the Facebook. Come on there, ask us anything. And if, I'm going to say this now. We will be pimping this once or twice before December, but we are going to be doing a special non-timeline mailbag episode where you can ask us anything about pro wrestling. So start thinking now. We'll give you a few weeks. Hopefully we're going to be recording that one. Currently, early December is what we've got mooted, but we'll let you know in good time. You can tweet, Facebook us, maybe even get another email address up and running so you can send us some questions. But start thinking now and we will let you know exactly how to get in touch with us about it before we record that show in December. And and it will be one of the first times that pretty much the majority of the of all of us will be on one thing at once, isn't it? Uh, it doesn't happen often these days. So, yeah, there'll, there'll be a chance to have... Maybe some random debates between all of us, if, you know, you're asking us random subjects about wrestling, you know, like favourite matches and stuff, and get some wonderful conversation going. I think there needs to be a debate about Marco Stunt, don't you? I mean, nobody's talking about him. 
I don't even know who the hell Marcus Stone is. <laughs> I, I I haven't watched any modern wrestling since WrestleMania. I think Dan gets that reference. I I do. But I still haven't but seen. I don't whatever. watch much these days either. Okay. No, I'm afraid you're you're the only bastion of modern wrestling left, Mister Mister McNamara. Like we all are jaded, you know. It was better in my day. That's where we're going back into 20 years ago. To living in the past, I tell you. My name Part is Rory McNamara, and I run the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. <laughs> Part of me does want to sort of start watching this NWA Power though. It's, it looks it looks like my sort of thing. Very 1980s. Uh, Mr. Bob Colling is a big fan of that one, by the way. He's done some wrestling recaps on it, so check those out too, everybody. Uh, where were we? Yes, uh, just to pimp the rest of the shows, say, putting this one out first because we delayed the September shows for one reason or another. So wanted to get this one out to you nice and quickly. But over the next couple of weeks, the shows that we'll be dropping are as follows. Part two of WWF, which will be looking at the No Mercy pay-per-view, like all the news, all the TV reports. Uh, Chris, you will be at the helm for ECW, and I do hope this time you will be reinforcing the time machine before you get in. Uh, there was a few little slips. Bloody fucking Pornhub and fucking Tumblr. <laughs> Axel Rotten being dead. Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> I'm not having that. That's your one, that's your one okay? <laughs> I'm sure you will for next time. And a WCW show where I will be taking you through Vince Russo's first few weeks of... Uh, yeah, Vince Russo's first few weeks of being Vince Russo. You can tell I can't wait for that one. And the Halloween habit. Is it on a pole? <laughs> the, old, the old ones are the best, indeed. And we will be bringing you... When all of those are out, we will be bringing you a live watch for that is what you requested, dear listener, of the Heroes of Wrestling pay-per-view. Chris Lacey will be on that show, and so will, well, I will, and so will somebody else. Wait. Do you want to play 21? <laughs> you, you, you can't wait, can you? And you, know <laughs> what? and you know what? Neither can I. I've but never actually seen it. You are in for a treat, my friend. A very, 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 very big treat. So until then, everybody, or any show you listen to, thank you for your continued support. Say, do check out the Patreon. Thank you for everybody who's recently duly subscribed to us on Podbean, by the way. So if this is your first show, thank you so much. We hope you stick with us. Do check out the archives, wrestling20years.com. They're all on there. We're on Spotify as well. All the usual places for podcasts. We do this for you. Stick with us. We're going to be here forever. We'll probably be able to talk about Marco stunts in 20 years' time. If that's not an incentive, I don't know what is. But from me, Rory McNamara, from Chris Lacey, from Dan Welling, Sirabab. I spent hours in the beautiful 150-year-old botanical gardens, and there are 10 acres of it. St. Edburgus and the old grammar school, it's like looking into the past, and it's hard to realize that all this is so near to the hustle and bustle of a really great metropolis. I can't sing it like he can, but I can assure you, this is my kind of town. I was told to get there before it all blew away. It was spectacular cherry blossom time in Birmingham's Bourneville. Riding the express elevator to the top of one of the city's highest buildings, this is the view that nearly took my breath away. As far back as the 12th century, the land on which Birmingham now stands 
was owned by the D. Birmingham family, whose tombs can be seen in this, the Church of St. Martin. We're in the heart of the West Midlands. There are over a million people in Birmingham. Two million a year use its modern rail terminal. The International Airport welcomes arrivals from all major European centers and important cities in Great Britain. Another way in is by multi-carriageway motorway. Motorways mean problems. I visited the West Midland Police Motorway Control Unit, one of the most specialized traffic control groups in the world. I found the city exciting. The modern buildings reflect its position as the nation's industrial powerhouse. You feel as if you've been projected into the 21st century. Seventy thousand people visit the museum and art gallery every month. They're powerhouses of treasure. The sound of disco music was in the air, so I wandered over to see what gives. It was an over-40s competition, and incredible. This is Mrs. Taylor. I'm sure somebody loves you, baby. The rotunda towers over the bull ring. It's 160 years since there was any bull baiting here. The ring is gone. Colorful markets have taken over. You know, it's an adventure to shop in this city. 150 market stalls display their goods. Whilst over them, intense traffic pounds along the elevated inner ring road. There's a sophisticated shopping center over New Street Rail Terminal. It has 200 shops, restaurants, and my favorite, British pubs. A nostalgic contrast is the old Great Western Arcade. I walked on the walkways, sat on the seats, and admired the trees and shrubs in the spacious, traffic-free pedestrian precincts. Birmingham's road systems are revolutionary. The Inner Ring Road, Queensway, a four-mile circuit of dual carriageways, tunnels and overpasses, linking up with the main arteries of the city and the Aston Expressway. It's my kind of town. So, so long, Birmingham. He is looking at you.